And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Since I was a kid, my dad's never been there. You know, he's never came to a football game of mine. I got promised that I'd be at a big time school. I'd be D1. Basically, I got promised everything that, that you would want to hear. And where I'm from, it's only one way. Those are the voices of Trillian Harris, Zyshawn Johnson, and Isaiah Miller. They're all players from the documentary BSI, which you can now watch on HBO and stream on Max. Trillian, Zyshawn, and Isaiah all played for coach Roy Johnson at either Bishop Sycamore High School or its predecessor, Christians of Faith. And what they thought they were signing up for and what really happened were two very different things. Coach Roy had it down packed. Flew me out. I'm in first class. He picked me up in his nice car. We go eat at a nice restaurant. I'm like, man, this the life. Me getting evicted with the eviction notice on the door, it was more so like, we getting kicked out, what are we going to do? I didn't know the eviction was on my record till my mom told me. My name is Mary Pallon, and I'm the host of the BS High podcast, the official podcast companion to BS High, the HBO documentary. We give you an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at what went on with Bishop Sycamore and how we told the story on screen. Today, we'll be speaking with Meech Golden, a man who wears many hats. I knew that something wasn't right, just didn't know what at the time. Meech is a talent manager, a businessman, and an Emmy-nominated producer. On BS High, he was often the first person to reach out to the players tied to Bishop Sycamore, and he won their trust and heard their stories. I want to start with high school sports. Did you play and what was your experience? It was great. It was great for me personally. Um, All of my friends played growing up. Prior to high school, I should say, I was always bigger than a lot of my friends um, before them. They hit growth spurts and things like that. So I typically couldn't play peewee football because it was always by weight and I weighed more than all of them. Uh, but when we got to high school, I, got, I was finally able to compete with those guys and play on a lot of the same teams as them. I was never like the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, but I prided myself in, uh, and I'll never forget uh, one of my coaches, um, his name is Glenn Farello. Um, he just told me to just outwork everybody, you know, uh, hard work beats talent any day, excuse me, that's what he said. That just motivated me to just work harder than everybody. So I I was trying to finish uh, suicides first um, in basketball. When it came to football, if I wasn't finishing first, I'm like, yo, let's make everybody do another one. Like, let's, let's just every day just trying continuously to get better. And that's kind of carried over into everything else that I've done. What is it about high school football that has millions of kids participating and that sticks with people for years? You know, to me, that's where like true fandom starts, right? Up until that point, you're, you know, you're watching it on TV, you're watching the professionals play and you really, you, you, in high school is when you, you start forming your identity, so to speak, and, um, you know, your own opinions about the way in which you view the world and, and 
you know, what you want to support, what you don't want to support. And I think there's something unique about that high school experience where you're not reliant upon ESPN to tell you what happened yesterday. Like you want to go to the game, actually experience uh, you know, your boy scoring that touchdown or being a part of like blocking on that play where, you know, um, your boy like ran back a kickoff return and, uh, the, you know, the cheerleaders, uh, the, 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 the inner city rivalries, you know what I mean? Like there's kids that live in your neighborhood, they go to different schools. And so you play against them and then you get to go back to the neighborhood and have those bragging rights. So it's a really like special, special experience. And then at the core of it, you're still learning, right? Like it's still school. And so I think that, that for me personally, that experience is is something I hold very, very dearly. Like me and my friends now, when I go back home during the holidays and stuff, we sit around and we kick it and talk about the high school high school days more than we talk about what we're currently doing in our lives. Cause those those it's so trans it's such a transformative experience. You know what I mean? What do you remember about the first time you saw and heard about Bishop Sycamore? Well, first and foremost, am I able to curse on here? Because <laughs> so it was like a oh shit moment because literally I was on I was watching the game Sunday I was watching the game literally watching the game on TV and I'm just scrolling on ESP I mean um or excuse me on Instagram and I'm like yo this is crazy for me it was the 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 tone switch of the the color analysts like there was a t- in the beginning they're trying to sell you because this is a football game when it's a high school football game on a Sunday so they're trying to sell you that Bishop Sycamore may actually be able to compete with IMG right and then all of a sudden as the game starts to unfold you start to see that they they were having doubts about what they were seeing and it was almost as if they were trying to save themselves in a in a, in a, in a way and maybe even protect the integrity of the network um and i don't know if that was something somebody in their ear or you know i'm, I'm not sure what that process is like but as a viewer you could feel that maybe i feel it a little bit more in retrospect now now that i'm you know like you know thinking back on that moment but i definitely noticed that there was a shift and then the score was just ridiculous right and so you know in my mind i'm thinking how is it possible that this team was able to get on the schedule of arguably, you know, a, a perennial powerhouse, you know, uh, it just didn't make sense to me. And so I knew that something wasn't right, just didn't know what at the time. You were really the first contact point for a lot of key people in the story. How did you go about building those relationships and finding the right people? One of the kids that I remember speaking to very early on um, was Zyshawn. Um, and I related so much to Zyshawn. Um, him and I, hey, we grew up in similar like uh, circumstances. And so like we just connected on a different level. Like I, I was able to like uh, help him like put down his guard a lot quicker than I think a lot of other people may have been able to. And he shared like really intimate details of, with me about what this experience was supposed to be for him and what it was and what it wasn't, you know? Being that I had that from him so early on, it helped me to go into each every, each and every other conversation, whether it was with a parent, whether it was with a, a player or a coach, I guess you can say uh, unbiased. Just tell me your story. And then I can then take that back and everybody and say, hey, I think that this is a kid that we should interview. I think he has a, a really good perspective, even if it just mattered for one specific part of, you know, the overall story that we were telling. Um that 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 conversation was really transformative for me because I wasn't fishing for anything at this point, right? Like we the game had happened and that that was the story, right? Initially going into we just wanted to talk about the game. But then there was all these other things that that sort of sort of started to 
rear their head as we were, you know, doing our digging. And obviously anybody who knows you knows that if you got a skeleton in there, she going to find it. So you better, you better tell us, <laughs> you better tell us. <laughs> the kids on the team were the target of so much social media attention, some or most of it negative. How did you go about building trust with them? Yeah, you know, I just, honestly, I just kept it so real with them. I, t- I have nothing to gain from this. I, I, regardless, I, I'm paid for the, to the end of this week, right? They're, the only thing that, 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 that I get from this is that paycheck at the end of the week. I am trying to help you right now, position you to be able to get this story out there so that if you do have dreams uh, of pursuing, you know, uh, continuing to pursue your football career at the collegiate level, that somebody's willing to give you a chance now because you were able to tell your tell your side of the story in a in a format that that was thoughtful and meaningful at the end of the day. That was my message to every everybody. It was like I have nothing to gain from this. You know what I mean? Like there there it's not it's not like I'm going to take your story and go out and make a book like this documentary is going to be made with or without you. So would you rather it be made and you have had the opportunity to to share your actual experience or would you rather somebody else be speaking on behalf of everybody that participated in this thing. And I was fortunate that 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 worked, you know, that, you know, I, <laughs> I couldn't be more grateful for the trust that you guys had in me. Right. I mean, cause on a lot of those calls, like, you know, like I said, early on, you know, on a lot of those calls, it was just about the game. And then as I'm bringing people forward, we're starting to uncover, okay, well this happened. Oh, and then there's the church and then there's, you know, this guy and whoa, is there, were they, doing something like fraudulent here. Like, you know, all these other little pieces of the puzzle started to come into play. Um, But as far as like the people themselves, which really drive this story, right? I felt honored that, you know, I I had the respect and permission or you you guys just gave me a lot of uh, license to, you know, to like really like gave me the license to really go out and and source these people and and, and really help them um, articulate their stories in a way that um, I think people are going to really enjoy and be sad about. And be happy about, but you know, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotions, right? Because it wasn't all bad, right? Um, it was terrible. <laughs> it was definitely terrible. But for for some of these for some of these kids, right, they were able to get out before it got as bad as it ultimately became, and now you know it's in front of the world on display. From what I remember, you were talking to them about everything but football. You wanted to get them engaged about anything to open up. Oh yeah, one thousand percent. I mean, like generally, once, once, once I got them on the phone, but whether it was like you know, I reached out via DM or Instagram, and that that was part of the thing too, right? I wasn't using a burner. I was using my my regular cell phone. I was using my real page. So look, I'm I'm it humanized me already, right? You can already see like they see I'm into cool sneakers and and you know, uh, you know, hype beast culture and all that. Like you know, so they're already like, oh okay, cool. Like I relate to him a little bit in this sense, right? And so. You know, initially, just like when I meet anybody else, I wanted to kind of find some common ground or whatever the case is. So I'm just talking to you regularly. I'm not um, immediately going into poking and prodding and then trying to figure out. It was just like, hey, you know, my name is Meech Golden. I'm a producer working in the Bishop Sycamore uh, documentary. And uh, your name has come up or I found you via such and such. And I just wanted to talk to you about your experiences. That's something that you'd be open to doing. And from there, you know, it, it literally I'm like, all right, so take me to the start. What was your first point of contact? With, with the school and it was so funny because so many people said social media and I just thought 
How's that even possible? Like, it's so, is, is, is the social media outreach of that? Because I mean, look, you know, when I'm search, searching for people now, like that's probably one of the first places I go to too. But I wouldn't think that a school would be using social media as a means to like attract players. Like you'd be at their games or reaching out to them via rivals or 24 seven or any one of the other like sort of um, aggregators of, uh, you know, high school athletes, films and stuff like that. And that just wasn't the case for a lot of these guys. And one of the other things that always came up, and this is obviously no disrespect to anybody um, that was in the film or their, their parents when I say this, but I always wonder where were the parents in, the, in these situations? Like it was like, it was as almost as if the kids were making a lot of these decisions. There was just not enough oversight and a, a football team is made up of over 50 players. So that's just a lot of parents that just didn't look into what their kid was doing for the next year or two years um, if they ultimately went to the school. We'll have more of this conversation in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. How did Roy find these specific kids? Bishop Sycamore was based in Ohio, but it pulled in kids from across the country. It's it's funny. So it's almost as if he targeted like the different, like these different neighborhoods or areas, I should say, or regions within the country where football was like a big sport, right? So he had this group from California and all of them had grown up playing with each other. They all knew each other. So it was a trickle down effect of like, hey, one kid, if I get one kid, ultimately like he'll say, hey, who's that other kid that you you, you play with? And they were now telling their friend about that, that opportunity that, you know, was presented to them. And it just made it a lot easier to bring more people into the fold, right? Well, from opportunities don't come around. And so when you have an opportunity, you got to capitalize on it. That's what I was trying to do. From what I saw, there were a lot of single parent households amongst these kids. When I was seven years old, my dad caught a murder charge, homicide. So football was like the only way that I had like uh, a male support. That was where I was getting disciplined at. It was like always that family effect. 
not a lot of father figures. We obviously interviewed a few of the mothers and they got to share their experience. And it's not to say that a, a mother doesn't raise a child as good as a father or anything like that. I just think that circumstantially, that's what we dealt with. And life and experience has, has shown us what that what it looks like when when there is a lack of, of of two parents in a household and those those young men looking for a way out, so to speak, right? Or a way up in life. Um and that's that was ultimately the sort of um reoccurring theme that I found through all the kids. They were all looking for that way out or that way up. You know, this gets me into college. Even if I don't go to the league, I'll be able to get a good job because I got a college degree now. Right. Um I won't be forced to stay at home, two bedroom with my six brothers and sisters, you know, uh, and that wasn't all the kids that, you know, but the majority of them, yeah, it was, it was. And, you know, some, of uh, you know, especially like some of the Ohio kids, like, and the Detroit boys, like they were from like really rough places in this country. They were fighting the odds. They, they were dealing with something completely separate from home. So coming here and having this uh, state-of-the-art facility that they were promised and, you know, being able to be a part of a football program that would ultimately, like, lead to them get to college or potentially live out their dream of playing in the NFL, I can see why that's so appealing to a kid that has nothing else to hold on to or to, to look forward to. So I related to that. On the surface, Bishop Sycamore seems so silly. Everyone is asking, how could anyone fall for the scheme? But as you discovered, Roy's pitch to the kids was way more complex than anticipated. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the DM for some was just the start, right? And then there were those involved parents that was like, well, let me see what this school has to offer. I mean, you're talking about uh, a presentation deck, right? That these kids were getting that outlined what the facility was going to look like. They had uh, drone footage of, of a video spec of what this state-of-the-art campus was going to look like. Coach Roy had it down packed. Flew me out. I'm in first class. He picked me up in this nice car. We go eat in a nice restaurant. I'm like, man, this the life. I'm seeing facilities. I'm seeing athletic trainers. Man, like this program is going to be lit. Like we, we finna, we finna tear some people up. Look, for somebody who is, you know, striving to get to the next level and may have not had the grades, right? That's like a really common theme in, in high school football. It's like super talented kids that, that just don't do as well in, in the classroom, right? And so sometimes, you know, that prep year, right? That reclassifying really helps them to get more opportunities because at the end of the day, they're trying to get two things. They're trying to get that, that GPA up or they're trying to get that SAT score, which was another recurring theme that you found from these kids, right? It was grades or SAT score. Some of them needed film, um, but the majority of them, though it was the grades or the SAT score. And so inside those pamphlets and inside those, the, those presentation deck, you would see like what the, what the school was going to look like, what you would think that it's going to be like filled with like some of the most amazing, like teachers from all over the country and things that in nature. And it, it, quite frankly, it just wasn't that. I mean, I saw acceptance letters that, that kids got letting them know that, Hey, like you've been accepted into, into the school. If you just didn't know any better, like I could see why you would, Go for that. You know, they they had, and for anybody who doesn't know, listening to this right now, IMG Academy is owned by one of the biggest agencies in the entire world. This school is literally like a college university. I'm talking about a division one power five university. You know, there are some colleges on that level that don't have as good of resources or facilities and, and accommodations as IMG has. And so to be promising that to these kids. In their mind, they're like, partially like probably, what did I do to deserve this? But like, 
I can't turn this down. Like this, this may be my opportunity or, or the, the moment that I've been waiting for my entire high school or football life. You know, um, it's, it's, it's almost hard to turn down, even if you haven't necessarily walked the facility and seen all the things, right? Like in their mind, they're thinking, who would take the time to put this together if it weren't really a real thing? If this wasn't actually something that was going to happen and be made. How did the kids change during the process of filming their interviews for the doc? I mean, yeah, I, I saw it a ton. You know, a lot of these kids come in with this uh, harder sort of exterior, right? Like not necessarily tough guys, but, you know, um, one to show that they're not soft or they're not a punk. And um, as we were, you know, interviewing them, uh, whether it was the pre-interview or I, I would say more so when the camera went on, right? During the pre-interviews, they were able to maintain a bit of that harder exterior, a good filmmaker, good producers. We can kind of we can kind of filter through that and see like, okay, there's more there. And I know the exact line of questioning to bring those things out. And I'm not doing it because I'm trying to put you on the spot. I'm, I really want you to tell your story. I want to, I want to, I want the the viewer that's getting ready to ultimately watch this to feel what I feel when I'm talking to you, right? You make a cameo in the doc at the end at a really dramatic moment. Can you talk about that and what was going through your head then? So I wasn't told to do that. I wasn't being told to do that, right? And I also didn't know that anybody was going to follow me. In my mind, I just I just literally had my producer hat on. I'm like, okay, let me go talk to him right now. Talk to him right now. Talk him off this ledge. Like, get him back in the chair. Like, that. at the end of the day, I just need to get him back in the chair, you know? Um, and so as I'm walking out there and I'm talking to him, it was a really sunny day and I could just feel that there were people there now. So I'm like, okay, like I'm hot. He's hot. Roy, like I just, I wanted to be friendly enough that he felt comfort in, in speaking to me because we had had such good rapport, you know, throughout that process. And so it wasn't, it wouldn't have, it would have been uh, inauthentic of me to change up the way in which I had been speaking to him before. Right. But I also wanted him to know that like you messed up, you screwed up and now you got to live through it. You also agreed to live through it. And this is a part of that process. This is a part of that process. Like if you want people to, to know that you are genuinely, genuinely sorry about the things that you are sorry about, then how w w is you walking out right now and not being able to accept that some kid felt this way? Okay. You know, and that, in, in that short amount of time, that's what I was trying to convey to him, right? I, I wanted to let him get get his his um, his frustrations out. Because look, naturally, whether you made a mistake or not, when your entire, when all of your mistakes and all your dirty laundry are being aired out in front of a room full of 13 people, you're the one sitting in the hot seat. Like I could, I probably would feel some kind of way too. That's the price we pay for the decisions that we make. And I wanted to make that clear to him and also wanted to give him the opportunity to, to show like, hey, like he's right. And I do feel this way. I'm, I'm going to go back and sit in that chair because this is just part of the, that, that, uh, that healing process, right? I have to go through. And I, these kids deserve to see this. this. These kids should know that, hey, if he's on, being honest about what he's saying he feels, he's apologetic. You know, and this is a this is a part of that process. This is what that looks like. And that's not for me to decide that I that that's for the court of public opinion at this point. I was like, you got to know, regardless, bro, no matter what you say, people are going to feel how they're going to feel. But at least you can say within yourself that, hey, I was honest. I, I said my piece. I, you know, you know, admitted to the things that I did wrong and the mistakes that I made. And I can live with that. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode, and thank you to Meech. Coming up on the final episode of the series, The Post Game, you'll hear from the co-director of BSI, Trayvon Free, on what it was like verbally grappling with Coach Roy Johnson. And in the second half of the episode, I will be joined by Diana Henriquez, a foremost expert on fraud. Among Diana's claims to fame is that she is the journalist who interviewed Bernie Madoff in prison and countless victims of Ponzi schemes. And of course, you can catch BS High on HBO and streaming on Max. And you can follow this series right here on The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.